Last Monday morning, Bill Sanderson, this church community's moderator, stopped in the church office with the news. The Starbucks down at 95th and Mission was closed. <gasps> I didn't even know that it was possible for a Starbucks to close. I've seen people, I've had friends who are out of work hit the $4 pumpkin spice latte each morning. That's, some, that's devotion. That's commitment. And Starbucks, Starbucks is known for being good to its employees. I have a pastor friend who got burned out serving churches, and he went to work for Starbucks and just loved it. Shay, who was once our intern here, he worked for Starbucks and had lots of good things to say about them as a company. So the news really took me aback. How can Starbucks be at a place where they are closing down stores because they can't find people? That, that's gotta be a sign of the end of times. I very rarely preach about church because I figure it's kind of self-serving. Church talking about church we're not here for ourselves. My, my usual way of thinking is that we are here for God and to love the way Jesus taught. Today is going to be a little different, though. The world is changing. You can feel it. The best word that I can use to describe is that the world seems fragile. What once seemed permanent that just the way things are, it isn't the same. And now, you can't even get a latte on every corner. For the past century, church participation, at least in terms of membership, was actually pretty steady. About 70% of the people in the United States, and you can see that data here, 70% of people, really from the time of the Second World War, had membership in a church community. People had their names on a church list, even if they didn't participate much. Then, about 20 years ago, really about 9-11, that pretense fell away. And you can see church membership falling over 23% in two decades. And that was prior to the pandemic, which some guesses are putting up to another 5 to 10% just in the past two years. This church community has reflected these changes too. Before the pandemic, well, about 3% of our Sunday worshiping community would connect online. Then, in one week, it went to 100%. And I would lead worship in an empty room, trying to imagine people's faces. And right now, any given Sunday, it's usually one-third to a half of our worship, worshiping group is online. Now, in the history of the United States, church membership is now less than half of the people in the country. And that's, that's a new record. It's never been that low. And it's not just Christianity. Religious participation is in decline across all religions. 
And more than that, church participation has been stigmatized by politics and race. Now, there's a, a venerable publication. It's been around for decades, and we get it in our church library. It's called The Christian Century. And it's called that because early in the 20th century, people believed that the entire world would become Christian. The 20th century was supposed to be the Christian century. Christian values would permeate all aspects of society. Church communities would help it get going, but it would be government policy and programs would all reflect Christian charity and care for all. You think about it, the Great Depression accelerated the creation of government programs to help the poor and vulnerable. Whereas before that, really the only place people could turn was to church. The Great Society created Medicare and it predicted the dismantling of racism. Christian evangelicals, back before that was a political movement, they met in 1974 in Lausanne, Switzerland, led by Billy Graham, and they predicted that the world would be entirely Christianized in just a few years. Man, they got that wrong. This past week, I got a call from a family they had been evicted from their apartments. And it was two parents and their kid. They were living in a truck. Um, here, you can see on screen, this is a bit of a text exchange that I had with the mom. Now, we have a whole process for how I use the funds that this church community allows me to use to help people like this. And I am so thankful that I get to be an agent for this. Here's our, here's our process. I'll put it right in front of you. The first step I take is to see if that person, the person in need, has a church community. Because if they do, it makes it so easy. We just call up and work with their church community. We might help support them through that. It is an outdated idea that people even have a church community. Because the old school idea is that each church community looks out for the needs of the people in that community. If you're poor, it was in your best interest to be part of a church community. Now, almost never is that the case now. And I'm talking maybe one in 25 assistance calls I get. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day, they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness 
to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. In the weeks after the first church community began in Jerusalem, the community began to grow rapidly. Now, now I am not downplaying the role that church plays in spiritual growth, but that the fact that the church grew was because it saw the need right in front of it. The church community saw the poverty and the hunger in the city, and just like Jesus had, the church fed people. And word spread quickly that if, if you wanted to stop starving, join those Christians. They were a, a worshiping community committed to being a blessing. Sound familiar? So what about today? COVID accelerated changes, not just church, but all over. And the world isn't going back to the way that it was. Here in this little church community, our Sunday school hasn't come back like it was. Last Sunday, our Board of Outreach was going through all the ministries that we support, and we support a lot of ministries. You can check our website. And they're all great. And I know that it's not all about numbers, but some of the ministries that used to engage a whole group of people, now only a couple people are involved in. Next Sunday, our administrative board is going to be talking about kind of strategic priorities for this coming year as they make funding plans, our budget for the coming year including considering how our building, all this work that we're planning to be a blessing with capital improvements, how, taking that all into consideration. And so it got me thinking a bit. The early church saw the needs of the people around it. And it focused its mission on being a blessing to those, to those needs. Tonight, Sunday, about as many people who will come to worship God in person in this place, about as many people will be downstairs in the social hall with a recovery meeting and a dinner. What about making that a focus? What if the worshiping community joined in the meal? Because I'm gonna tell you something. There's a lot of diverse potential in that room. And every day, there are literally hundreds of kids that in this neighborhood, they walk right past this building, and you know what, they, they invade the Starbucks and the shops across the street. Truthfully, there's not a lot of places for kids to go after school around here. What if there were healthy snacks, tutors, yoga and martial arts classes being taught downstairs? Would that be a blessing? Would that be a blessing to the community? We might need some grant money to fund it, but that money is out there. God will provide. And inclusivity. This church community is still one of the rare ones that is open and affirming of all people.
are there ways that we could reach out to people who think that there is no room for LBGQ people in Christ church? How could we show that Christ's love is not conditional on whom you love? Those are just a, a few of my ideas. And I want to know what yours are. Because this is a unique moment. There's an opportunity to push the reset button. To, as our spiritual ancestors did, to look at the needs of the world around us and focus. Because things are changing. We need to adapt. And there's not any one of us who has all the answers. As the scriptures teach, plans fail with no counsel, but with many counselors, they succeed. So I'd like to pause for a moment to hear from you, or maybe just to give you a moment to deeply consider what God's spirit is speaking to the church. If you're online, please email me with what's on your heart. My email address is on screen right now. You know, none, not a single one of the many church communities the Apostle Paul wrote to, not one of them still exists. Everything changes. The spirit that creates church, though, that binds us to worship and bless, she is eternal. So in that spirit, I am going to pray the words that the Apostle Paul once did with another church community in Ephesus, Turkey. Will you pray those words with me? Friends, offer prayers and petitions in the spirit all the time. Stay alert by hanging in there and praying for all believers. As for me, pray that when I open my mouth, I'll get a message that confidently makes the secret plan of the gospel known. Pray so that the Lord will give us the confidence and the ability to say in love what needs to be said. Amen.